You're listening to the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. No nonsense, just a crazy mix of life, business, the funny, and of course we're going to talk about your money. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What could go wrong? Welcome to another episode of the Haney Company Financial Guys Show. I am super excited to have uh, someone who feels like an old friend now, Ashley with Budgets Made Easy. Um, thanks for making time to, uh, to get on the show with me. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always fun to chat. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It was, and you, you've run a great program for a lot longer, a lot better than I've been doing. So uh, I enjoyed being able to connect with you on your show and just follow all the good work that, you know, that we've done and financial community that we're a part of is pretty interesting and fun place, I think. It is. I've met so many great people like you and you've been on my podcast and you're going to be on it again. Like it was so good where you've coming back. <laughs> so I'm excited to chat. Yeah, no, likewise. So the most the most important part of every show of mine is the first four questions. They are the most difficult, most thought-provoking. Uh, so we'll just dive in and get the get the tough stuff out of the way first. So what is the number one destination that you have on your bucket list that you have not visited yet, but want to? So for me, there's several places I want to go, but I have a huge fear of flying and flying over water. Like I have a real fear of drowning and just like drowning in an airplane. <laughs> I just like, but I'm working on getting over it. So uh, my number one destination is Belize. So my in-laws actually have a house there and they've had it for several years and we haven't went. So uh, I'm taking a deep breath. We are tentatively planning for next year. That gives me time to mentally process it get it get my anxiety under control and hopefully we will go there next year awesome now i have to ask how did how did the in-laws arrive at getting a place in belize is there some kind of connection or uh no they just traveled around the caribbean a lot and that was one of their favorite places and I don't know what the real estate prices are now, but when they bought several years ago, it was very reasonably priced and they just love the area. So they're on, um, I think it's it's called Kai Calker Island. If I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, so they just really love it there. And that's where they decided to, um, my father-in-law is retired. So I, I believe they started it maybe like his last year or right after retirement. I can't remember. It was very close. Uh, they started working on it. And so that was kind of like their retirement goal. That's awesome. And, and yeah. what, a, I mean, I, I also love hearing a story like that, where you have this, you know, idea, this lifestyle, and then you just work towards it. And then it materializes because you made it happen for retirement. That's a, yeah. we'll, have to, they, we'll have to have a conversation about that entire dynamic another time. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Cause they, um, just, sorry, just one more quick thing. They, um, you know, did it in stages so that they could financially afford it. So they bought the land and then, and then built the house and like did it over time. It wasn't an all like at once thing. Well, and that's, so that is a fascinating point. So we can continue to pause on this because I, <laughs> I actually found out about that. I'm going to go back and date myself when uh, I got engaged to my now wife. This was over 17 years ago, so long time ago. But we got engaged in the Bahamas. I remember driving around uh, while we were staying there and seeing all these like shells 
and partially completed homes. And so I asked the, the cab driver who was local and very chatty, like, what's the story with all of this? Do people just like abandon these or whatever? And they say, no, people build in stages because there's no ongoing property tax. So oh. it's actually, if you, if you can, you know, you essentially build until you run out of money in some, in some respects, or, you know, the project can have, but you own whatever you have, you don't have this ongoing carrying costs necessarily. So a lot of times, like that's exactly what happens. So it sounds like that's probably a common dynamic that's clearly not specific just to the Bahamas. That's pretty interesting. But I think also very cool to kind of have that understanding and that capacity to be able to do something in stages and be real, um, you know, smart about it and not have to, you know, almost dig yourself out this massive hole just to achieve it in a shorter period of time. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah. Being just super intentional with, you know, your plants and your end goal, you know, yeah. in mind. And that was their goal. So. Wow. That's, that is absolutely. So, so this is a winner for all of the episodes. That was the longest <laughs> answer to any one of the fan. The, the, the I'll make the other questions. ones quick. That's, that's awesome. That's, this is great. We're, we're setting records already. Okay. What food will you not eat under any circumstance, including penalty of death? Oh, probably bugs. I don't. I can't, I yes. don't think I could do bugs. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, somebody else said it. that. I, I. That's me. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm sorry. Reptiles, like, oh, I nope. just. Yeah. I, don't know. I can't nope. do it. <laughs> if I if it used to crawl around and now you're looking and you're saying, hey, yeah, if we covered it in chocolate, it'll taste great. Nope. No, thank you. No. Absolutely yeah. not. All right, good. I'm with you there, 100%. <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what superpower would you want to have? Uh, super strength. Okay. Seems very practical. Really strong. Just lift the car <laughs> over the head and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I think mine's still flying, but strength. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't want to fly. <laughs> Yeah. I want well, to be super well, strong. Well, think about that though. <laughs> Would that cure that fear? Because if you're just flying yourself, like you're not oh, going to crash, true. right? That's a good point. That's interesting. That is a good point. Hmm, now you've got me questioning. Yeah. Now we got to take that power. in a different direction. <laughs> Perfect. Man, this is like, this is, this is borderline like psychology therapy talk right now. This is really, really good. I'm going to, I'm going to have to switch gears on my entire podcast dynamic. This is awesome. All right. Besides this show and your own, of course, what of course, other podcasts yeah. do you listen to that you'd like to recommend other people listen to? Um, for business owners or online entrepreneurs, I love Amy Porterfield's podcast. So that's the one I listen to extremely regularly she does two a week so um mm. you know for that i really love her podcast what's the name of it or is it just uh, her name online no i think it's online marketing made easy but i'm sure if you searched amy porterfield it would come up i know i mean that her name's familiar now man it's probably because I, I you're not the first person maybe who, who's recommended her so that's awesome yeah she's she's really popular that's awesome fantastic well we made it we made it through the hardest part. Now the rest is, is, is easy and gravy. So no, I want to please tell the audience all about yourself, what you do, budgets made easy. What's 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 the Ashley story that I know everybody wants to hear about? 
so I'm Ashley Patrick, and I created Budgets Made Easy after I paid off $45,000 in debt in 17 months, and I kept getting questions about how did you do it. Of course, while I was doing it, everybody thought I was crazy, and you know, what if you die tomorrow, and you know, why are you acting so broke? And then once I was done, it was like, okay, well, how do I do that too? So I decided to start my blog, and um, at the time, I was a police officer. I was a detective uh, for many years, and once we paid off our debt, um, you know, it gave me so many more options in life. And that's what I really want people to understand is you get that freedom of choice. Like you get that freedom of being able to decide yourself what you want to do instead of uh, how many bills you have deciding that you stay in a job that, you know, maybe isn't the best fit for you anymore. And so once I got pregnant with my third child, uh, we decided to stay at home and build my business and pray it all works out and make some money. Uh, but you know, so that's kind of like the quick backstory of that. And you know, with Budgets Made Easy and the Money Mindset Podcast, I'm really focused on helping um, busy moms just relieve the mental load of managing their family's finances because we have so much on our plate already mentally. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know for in my situation and most of the moms I speak to, you know, we just mentally, we're thinking about all the things, like everything, birthdays and did the kids brush their teeth and are they going to go to the right school and are their friends, like just all the time where my husband does not think about any of that. Like, Literally nothing. Like, who knows if the kids even brushed their teeth last night because I wasn't home when they went to bed. I don't know. Uh, you know, so there's just a lot on our plates. And when you can manage your finances better and have a clear plan and goal with what you want to do with your money, it just relieves so much stress and pressure and takes that load off of ourselves. Just making the plan really takes a load off mentally. And so that's what I am focused on helping women do. Of course, you know, paying off debt, saving money, all those things. But really, the initial thing is just the mental load and kind of relieving some of that stress. No, it's I, I, I definitely love that final point, because I feel like and I know that's part of why we're kindred spirits and how we approach things it is it, it's very emotional mm -hmm. um and and money becomes this thing that i think you know it, 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 it when you when you project when you deal with the negative emotions anxiety and all the other stuff things always appear worse than they are yes. but because they appear that way it's much harder to try to engage and tackle them and reconcile the issue that you might be facing yes and you know i'm sure in your experience and, and mine as well it plays out usually it's not as bad as it seems now sometimes it doesn't mean it's good and there are definitely certain financial situations that are really really challenging but um i've i've never heard the scenario where oh yeah no exactly how my brain made it out to be is is actually how it is it just are, uh, yes, you're exactly right. I actually talked a lot about that this week in some Facebook lives and Instagram lives because, you know, I don't know. And my husband, when he lays down, he's instantly asleep. I don't know how he does it, <laughs> but it's, it's for an amazing, me, it, that's our superpower. <laughs> that is your superpower. Yeah, that's our, I, like, I, I can do the same thing. 
I've had we've had sirens going down the street at 1 a.m. Nope. He's just out, like he just closes his eyes and he's asleep. But women, we sit there and we start thinking about all the things all through the day. You know, all the other what ifs and what about that. And you know, you're right. Our brain just especially at night when you're tired and you're trying to go to sleep, it just makes it such a bigger, and I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, it's, you know, whatever I was worried about is not that big of a deal. And I'm like, why did I stay awake for two hours thinking about that instead of just going to sleep? But it's really hard (laughs) to shut our brain off. And we do, we make things such a bigger deal in our mind. And, you know, when I work with women, this is a common thing. They think their debt is way worse than it is. And once you just take the small action steps to face it, it does relieve that stress and pressure because it's not usually as bad as it seems in our mind. Um, and it does feel more doable that you can actually do it. And that is really like the first step. Yeah, no, it totally is. And I, and I, I, I say this cliche phrase all the time, but it, it's so apropos. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Exactly. And, and yeah, no, I mean, and I think, I mean, frankly, I, you know, I used to joke, I'm, what do I do professionally as, you know, a financial advisor, practitioner, all the wonderful hats that I get to wear in, in our practice. So I'm really 50% therapist, 50% teacher. Yes. Because once you do what we're talking about, once we engage with the emotion and help then create the scenario where we're going to take action about something and, and kind of make it real. So that way you can approach it. And then once you create a plan, doing those two things it's almost like it feels like that's 90% of the job, even though you're just getting to the starting line of the race. And sometimes it's a, it's a marathon and not a sprint, but the, you know, those are big steps. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I'm again, very grateful that that's so much of the work that you're doing and, and that frankly, there's enough people out there that are really trying to help, uh, you know, the collective conscience of America, settle down and and let's engage and let's not let money control us the way that it does. And I, you know, the big picture discussion, I know we wanted to have because it's it's a huge passion point. And frankly, it's I'm surprised we haven't really tackled it yet on my show, but it's that four letter word, cuss word debt, right? The financial cuss word of debt. So um, let's, let's dive into that. Why is debt? such a big deal why is it so pervasive why is it constantly a stumbling block what are some of the things that you've seen and you know how do you see it in general um well it's kind of twofold one debt in our society is encouraged and so it doesn't have for the most part it doesn't really have a negative connotation to it so it's normal like it doesn't feel like it's a bad thing to do. You know, people use the words good debt, bad debt. Um, But the other side of that is it's such an easy thing to get into because it is normal. And the emotional side that we've already been talking about, how we spend our money is emotional, what our actions are based on emotion. And so, you know, if you are struggling with the mental side of overspending, then debt can be a challenge for you. Of course, you know, there may be instances where you can use debt to your advantage, but for the people that I work with, debt is a struggle because they've gotten in 
too deep. They're not sure how to get out. And it's because of the emotional side of things and spending. If we were logical beings, nobody would have debt, right? <laughs> at least not credit card debt, high interest debt at a minimum. But we're not. We're not logical beings. We're humans just aren't. And so, you know, we're emotional. And then once people get in too much debt and they feel overwhelmed, then they're full of shame. They're like, everybody else is doing it, you know, the right way. What's wrong with me? I'm an adult. I should be able to figure this out. But we're not taught these things. I mean, we're taught that debt is fine. And then when you get drowning in it and you're overwhelmed with it, you feel like, well, what the hell's, sorry, what is wrong with me? Because, Everybody else is fine and figured it out, but I'm not. And so I think that is really like the biggest issue with debt. No, yeah, yeah you're 100% right. And yeah, I mean, not only is it is it so common and woven into all of our culture, but we're also playing into, you know, you know the term FOMO and, and all of the things about, you know, the proverbial keeping up with the Joneses and all that. All of this, there's, you know, in, in a lifestyle-based and now a hyper-personalized marketing world, digital world, where you can literally push a button and get just about anything you wanted at, at your doorstep. There's no concept or framework for what makes sense for you financially. That's never, ever where anybody starts, you know, it's not even not that it's not logical. It's just not even part of the conversation. It's, well... You need this. You want this. Your friends have it and you don't or whatever it is. And it's just four payments of $20, you know? Yeah. So it makes yeah. it so easy now. Like everybody takes payments like for freaking everything. And so, you know, we don't think about it. It's like, oh, well, I can afford that. It's only 20 bucks, you know, a month. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, in this subscription model economy that we're in now, you know, everything's at a, a price point that's just low enough fly under the radar mm -hmm. yep you know so we're willing to sign up for just about everything until we realize oh my goodness like a look at my budget i'm spending 500 dollars on subscriptions how much am i actually using you know who knows but exactly just like streaming is. services people got rid of cable for streaming but now with all the different streaming services it's as much as cable totally <laughs> If not it's more. like five bucks a month, you know, that doesn't seem that bad, but they all add up. Yep. Yeah, no. You're, so let's, let's go down one level. You know, what are some of the main problems that you see families and mothers that run into as, you know, how, what are the various kind of ways debt A happens? Um, and also let's really be specific with some of the big problems that people have to overcome when they see a situation where, where debt's prohibiting them from doing other things financially that they really want. So what I see a lot is, um, you know, not being intentional with what they're doing with their money. So things are just kind of happening. You know, the kids uh, have a fundraiser at school. Oh, they need all these supplies for the craft project. You take them to Walmart and then they you walk out with $300 worth of stuff. Like you're just not really thinking about it and it's like oh crap like what happened you know that still happens to me when I'm not being intentional especially if I take the kids with me because it's like oh yeah I'll get you that and I'll get you that and next thing you know it's $300 and so that's really the biggest thing and then that just starts to snowball and you just get further and further behind and you know even when uh you know people 
have a kind of a rough budget, a rough plan, they're not sticking to it because they haven't made a realistic plan and they haven't thought about all those little things that come up all the time that ruin your budget. You know, the school supplies, the Christmas, the birthdays, all the things that aren't every single month, but that we know they're coming. Like Christmas is at the same time every year, right? The birthdays are at the same time every year. We just don't think about it because it's not like right in front of us right now. And so once you can really start to think about things, um, you know, over the course of a quarter, a year, and you kind of get a better picture of what you should be saving for and how much, it's way easier to stick to your plan. And you can really get out of that cycle of, well, I don't have the money now. I'll just swipe the card. I need groceries. I need gas. All the money's gone, but I get paid in a few days and I'll just make the payment then. And so if you're doing that, like with your credit cards, you're typically like a month behind because you're constantly trying to play catch up. And so that is another, uh, you know, kind of snowball for the debt that just kind of keeps adding up and adding up. And then when something drastic does happen and you have an even bigger, you know, repair or event that you have to pay for, it just adds to it and adds to it. No, and that's, yeah, I mean, I think you described that scenario perfectly. It's so common. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, to, I like that point of a intentionality, but I think also um, we, you know, we talk about budget. I mean, the word budget, a lot of times we hear it and I think most people shake their head, nod. Yeah, I know I need to have a budget or I do have a budget or this or that. But you made the point there's the, the word budget and even having a budget doesn't guarantee you anything. It's kind of like you can have, you know, a business plan, but it's not worth the paper you printed it out on if you're not following it, if it's not informing your decisions about you know, your finances, your money, your life. And I, I feel like one of the, the big challenges that a lot of uh, a lot of people face, regardless of how much income affluence or whatever your situation is, is how do you tell yourself no, because you need to, you know, how do you start creating that framework and saying, you know what, my budget says I can't spend any more this month on this, I've hit my ceiling and not. It's hard, especially with our kids. I would say that it's oh, much yeah. harder for us moms to say no to our kids. 100%. Yeah, so it is hard and that is kind of a muscle. You gotta practice it and it's not always gonna be easy and you're not gonna be perfect at it all the time. And you know, budget people, <laughs> I think most people hate the word budget more than they hate the word debt. And oh, yeah. it feels restrictive, <laughs> you know? So it just has to, you call it something else, your money plan your spending plan, your cash yeah, flow plan, like good. just name it something else. All it is is a plan, a goal for your money. And so just take the word budget out <laughs> and call it something else. No, I, I like that. I actually, I say vision is the word yeah, that I use oh, a lot yes. in, in a separate conversation. I know we've talked about, you know, uh, the topic of ESG and, and values-based investing and all the other stuff. But, you know, that word vision is something that I'm actually trying to incorporate more intentionally throughout the spectrum of money, because really when we, we, you know, when it comes down to it, money's just a means of exchange designed to empower us to live the life that we're trying to live, right? That's all it is. It doesn't have any more or less power than we give it. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's so, you know, if, if we can have that connection, that mental connection, that psychological connection and that emotional connection to, 
positivity to this is really what I'm trying to do, how I want to live, what I want to do for my kids, my family, my retirement, whatever it is, and have that govern, you know, what I do behaviorally on a day-to-day basis. It's far more powerful because we know I'm working towards something that is that I have this connection to, not running away from things that are bad or awful or negative or what have you, or, you know, I feel like I should be better off, but I'm not, like you said, shame is such a, a, a challenging emotion that just creates inertia, inertia, the most powerful force in the universe, right? You know, not doing something we know we should be doing. Yes, so, yeah. I, love, I love the word vision because that's what I encourage people to do is like vision where you want what you want out of your life. And I'm a very visual person. So I love incorporating that with your, with your budget. I'm going to have to steal that. <laughs> Please. And I don't, I haven't trademarked it yet. So. <laughs> it's yours, but so let's bring, let's, let's go back and let's try to talk through um, the secret sauce that I know you probably have, have so many really good effective ways to tackle this, but let's tie in, you know, somebody that's facing a debt situation, regardless of how big it is, and they're saying, enough's enough, I want to change. I know, Ashley, you paid off $45,000. You know, what can I do to be like you? What would you tell that person? Uh, The first step for me is really getting a handle on your money, like where it's been going and where you actually want it to do go. Uh, You know, facing the numbers, and that can be you know, kind of a hard hurdle to overcome. And so I encourage people to just take one little step at a time. So, you know, one day, you know, print off your bank statement for, you know, one month. And then the next day, look at how much income you're actually bringing in, because a lot of people don't even know how much they're really even being paid you know, and, you know, figuring in like how much for your 401k, like all those pre-deduction stuff too, because that adds up a lot too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize it because you're not seeing the money, uh, you know, and then just taking one little step at a time, figuring, you know, the next day, figuring out what your regular monthly expenses are. And then I teach people to break it down by paycheck. So they know what bills to pay from each paycheck, how much to set aside for their different savings funds and all those things that they need to save for that aren't monthly. And then what is left over is really, uh, what you, what you have to work with. And once you see the numbers, like we talked about earlier, it becomes more real and it's not as scary as it, as we make it out to be before we uh, start the process. So that's really where you start is with being um, intentional with where your money's going and really looking at where it's been going because it's very, very eye-opening. The people that actually take the time to get over their fear of looking at it it's life-changing because once you realize, oh my gosh, I'm spending $2,000 a month on food, then you can make the changes that you need to make because almost everybody I talk to, it's food. And it was for me too. It still is. I still struggle with overspending on food. Like that is one of the biggest categories besides our mortgage, uh, usually anyway. Uh, So we'll see if if that stays true. (laughs) So yeah, just knowing where it's going because, you know, a little bit here and there adds up and we don't realize it. And so it's really important to look and see where it's been going because you also then realize you can pay off your debt 
when you don't send money to these other things that you really don't care about, like you're just, you know, seeing something random in a store or running through the drive through real quick, when you really want to send money to a Disney vacation fund or paying off your debt or, you know, something that's actually important to you versus just random things. And I want to pick up on that last point, because I think what you were starting to implicate was once you see it, how do you now prioritize and, and kind of you know, that, that, that war word, how do you triage Mm -hmm. and rank things? And I know that there's a a lot of probably philosophies, uh, or, or, or methodologies that, that can be employed. Uh, I mean, Dave Ramsey's got a famous debt snowball that I think a lot of people have found helpful, uh, as well. And, and so, you know, of all of the things that are out there, when it comes to then, prioritizing what kind of steps do you take because the one thing I, I i do know is that it's not that red pill like from the matrix that everybody takes the same pill and it works i wish so, so, so how, how do you go through that process and, and how can somebody make it really effective for themselves uh well my method i do like the debt snowball the debt avalanche like it's really about finding what works for you Mm -hmm. and my method is the impact method and it's based on the emotional side of things because we know that the emotion is really what drives our behavior um and so it's really what will make the biggest impact emotionally so do you have that you can still pay off relatively quickly Uh, as an example you know um, a woman was paying her lawyer from her divorce every month and every time she wrote that check it just brought her back to that place where Mm. she was miserable so you know those types of things just pay them off you know if you have a debt that you just hate paying every single month and it just like kind of sucks the life out of your soul a little bit every time you have to write that or pay that bill like people don't really write checks anymore but you know every time you gotta (laughs) send that payment uh you know focus on that first or um the one that'll make the biggest impact in your budget that you can still pay off relatively easy so maybe you have a car payment but the balance is starting to get lower where you could focus on that relatively quickly and free up you know four or five hundred dollars a month and give yourself some breathing room so you know, I kind of encourage that if your budget's a lot tighter. So if you don't have as much wiggle room uh, with your um, the money that is left over, you know, maybe look at the payment amounts and focus on that. But I really love the emotional piece of if you have, you know, and everybody may not have that. So that's just one option. And, you know, there is no right or wrong way to pay off debt. I promise Thank you. you. Just the process of paying off debt is just to do it. <laughs> like, so figure out what works for you and maybe you change. Maybe you start with the emotional one and then you go to the snowball or then you go to the avalanche, which is focusing on the interest rate. If you're very intentional with your plan and stay focused on your overall vision, like you talked about, you're going to pay it off regardless and relatively quickly that the math and the order doesn't really matter. It won't make that big of a difference over time. I, I, that, that's such a great point. And I'm really, again, I'm glad you said that. And I think, so we're going to, we're going to trade off stealing words. So you can steal vision. I'm going <laughs> to steal impact. I really like that. It's, it's so simple and yet so powerful because you're right. You know, and I, I, when I think of even some of the approaches that, that I, we've taken personally in our own, in our own household, you know, it was, I had this pesky little, I'm sure people have heard of these. They're called student loans. And I was, I was, I I have to admit, I was very, very fortunate that I did not, uh, you know, I I had, A, I graduated early from college. So by the way, 
if you can do that and you want to, you're worried about student loans or you got kids that are looking at that, definitely encourage them to uh, not feel the need to take four, five, or six years if they can get it done in three or three and a half. Because uh, yes. that certainly helps everybody out. But, um, you know, I, I still had this little kind of amount that just, you know, it was it, it was so like painless, so to speak. But it was just kind of this thing that because it was too small, it never registered enough to really feel like I needed to have urgency to it. Like it wasn't a pain point. So, so the reason why I'm telling you this story and why, why I'm, I'm sharing this is it, it, it's interesting when you get that impact framework. It, it for me, didn't register enough but eventually it became something that I realized, you know what though, like I, it, it's so far, you know, connected to a part of my life that I really want to feel like is a closed chapter. Cause obviously it is, I'm an adult married with all this other, you know, like, and, and then it finally, you know, once it got to that place, we, we were able to really, you know, knock it out quickly and it was very freeing. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate that type of, of, of application. And, you know, that from either negative, you know, stepping away from negative emotions, certainly the, the sooner you can feel better. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do that. I love that you said close a chapter because even in the divorce lawyer, you know, that's closing a chapter being finally just done with it. And so I love that, uh, you know, message too. just close being able to close out that chapter and move on. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. We've talked about strategy, finding the one that's really going to work and allow you to be effective. But I, I, I do want to make sure that we go back and talk about debt because I think that we don't realize all the time the true cost. And not that that necessarily motivates us, but I still think it's important to think about. So let's just talk through probably pretty quick because I don't think we have to make this too significant. but. Let's talk about some practical costs, literally financial costs. If you happen to have, you know, high interest, uh, unsecured credit card debt with, you know, 14, 15 percent, there's a there's a financial number associated with that, isn't there? Yeah. And, you know, most credit cards are really like 27, 28 percent. And, you know, I'm not that great with math, which shows you you don't have to be good with math to manage your finances better. So, you know, I uh, like to remind people of that as well. But, you know, there is definitely the mental cost that we've talked about. But the financial cost of, you know, the interest rates, let's take student loans, for example. I was paying... $5 a day in interest when I started focusing on paying off my student loans. I had been paying on them for 10 years, Mm. 10 years, and it only paid off $3,000. And I didn't even have that big of a balance compared to like the national average. It was like 28,000, I believe when I started. And then when I focused on paying it off, it was, it was only to 25,000 after 10 years. So, you know, once I figured out what I was paying per day in interest, because with student loans, you pay the interest first. So every mm-hmm. time you put it off, you put it on forbearance or deferment, it's building interest. And the money you send does not go to principal until you pay and catch up on the interest first. So there's definitely a financial cost to that. And those interest rates are not low either, especially if you have parent plus loans, those are the highest interest rate. And so, you know, there is the financial cost there because if you just keep making the minimum payments on your student loans, on your credit cards, 
it's going to take you 30 years or longer to finally pay it off. So there is, you know, which keeps you from being able to do the things that you really want to do with your money, like traveling, um, helping your kids through college, you know, maybe I've been dreaming about putting an in-ground pool, you know, all those things like you can't do because your money's going to interest and things like that. I, and I'll and I'll just give us a quick math example. Let's say you have $10,000 of credit card debt at 17% interest. We'll just kind of split the difference between the 20s and the, the, the You 10s can do the math. Uh, that's not my yeah, thing. That's, that's <laughs> $1,700 a year. If it, the balance stays at 10,000, that's, you know, not small. If it stays at 10,000, because right. it's like the student loans, it just builds on itself, yeah. which means the interest is more and more every year. Yeah. So, I, you know, most of us would say, sure, if I had an extra $1,700, I could really do something with that. Right. So, yeah, I think I, I, I don't mean to be so, so granular about these things, but I think sometimes we need to be smacked in the face with the reality that, that, you know, there's we obviously understand kind of what it is in theory, but in real practical terms too, that's a lot that's prohibiting you from achieving a lot of other things that are really, really, really important. And that is, I think why hopefully there is a greater degree of urgency to if someone's facing debt. And even again, like you said, it's, it's all relative, you know, the number and the amount of debt and where it came from and how you arrive there that's not relevant. If it's something that's really important to you and you really want to address, that's what's important to realize. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else, but you know, it, there, there are some very tangible, you know, costs as we're talking about that. Um, I think if you're on the fence, hopefully this can encourage you to really say, okay, like enough's enough. I don't want this to, to keep me from living the life. I, we all work too hard. We work too hard. <laughs> to have, you know, to not be able to do the things that we want to do financially with our money. We just, yeah, it's, exactly. it's not good. I also want to kind of finish up by talking about um, some other parts that once we kind of get this budget framework after you've, so let's say, what would, let's, let's make it real personal, Ashley. What was the first thing that you did once you were done paying off that $45,000? Oh gosh, that's a good question. So we just kind of started spending money like crazy, which is not what I recommend because we had put off so many things to do it faster and faster. And so then once it was done, we had to kind of catch up and, you know, pay for some of those things that we had been putting off. And um, I think that was right around the time that my husband's grandfather was sick as well. And we had to take a trip. It was like everything just started coming up, but we didn't go back further into that, but we definitely weren't able to reach our savings goals as fast as we would have liked. So, you know, I always joke about like the, I think it was like the last month we were paying off debt and I was like cutting everything I could to just get it done like that month, I wanted to be done with it. And my husband's like, when we are debt free, can you buy shaving cream again? <laughs> like, okay. like I was cutting out. So I probably went and bought shaving cream, uh, but we didn't do anything like too crazy. Um, you know, we probably went out to dinner to celebrate something like that, but we're not like, we want to travel more, but we never do. So I don't know what our problem is. We didn't even take a honeymoon. So you know, we had just started new jobs and uh, were young, didn't have money for that and all the things. So 
you know, I don't think we did anything too crazy, except maybe buy some stuff I hadn't been buying. <laughs> well, I think so. If I'm if I'm gonna take and maybe infer some things from what you're sharing, though, a because of the habits that you had built, those habits stayed. And that it wasn't just a period of time where you said no to certain things and made certain financial decisions that you then abandoned once you, you know, got down to zero. And that's yes. probably the most important point for, for anybody to take away, right? Is that don't build good habits just to get something out of the way only to repeat that, continue. But I also think it must have felt pretty nice to realize that you are now in a good financial place. So that way, when you were spending, you weren't hitting your credit card, you were able to have kind of a framework that probably felt very freeing and liberating, I imagine. Um, yeah, it was so nice. And it's so different mentally when you're sending all your money to somebody else, and then you get to keep it. It's like, oh, well, what do I do with all this? Like, what do I do with it? Like, because most people don't experience that. And it's very it's kind of a weird feeling at first, but you're right. You've built these habits over time. And that's what I want to stress to people is it is a journey. Like you are, mm -hmm. you do need time to change your behavior. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be a completely different person. That's not going to happen. And when people try and use kind of like, um, what would I call it? Like shortcuts, like debt consolidation loans, refinancing their mortgage paying off every single time. I have seen those people go back into debt and now they have the old debt wrapped into something else and then the new debt again. And so you really have to change your behavior and that takes time. So, you know, I want you to go through that process and not try and take any shortcuts by just moving the debt around because that doesn't really change the core issues. So critical and, and, you know, being on the other side of it too, being able to, like you said, oh my gosh, now I get to choose and be really effective. That's where I've seen so many people, you know, A, maybe if they have been putting off traveling or certain things or whatever, now is a great way to be able to do that and to, and to you know, air quotes, which people can't uh, see on, a, on, a, on an audio only podcast, but, you know, kind of afford to do this and plan for things and not you know, have have a credit card bill start looming over their heads because they did that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, all the other things that we got to do, you know, put put aside for college and retirement and savings and all the other stuff. Um, but it's it's a new chapter of financial empowerment. That's that's one theme I know I've heard a lot of people say it's just they feel so empowered. And it's not because and I think this is another point. It's not because the way that they got out of debt and are now in a new season, it's not because they doubled their income. That wasn't the solution. Most of us can't pull that lever, you know, as much as we'd like to. Because if we could have pulled it, we probably would have. But like you said, you know, it wouldn't change the habit issue. But, you know, we're, we're in the same place, maybe a little bit better. But we just have more control. Yes. And I will say, uh, you just reminded me that... Um, you know, once you don't have any debt and you don't have to worry about the credit cards, like when you're traveling and you just know that you've already paid for it or, and you're not going home with, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for that? So we did actually, I just, it, that reminded me, we did uh, start saving for Disney vacation. So we took one the next year. We took our kids to va uh, Disney, which is awesome, but so expensive, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, it's so much fun and you get to come home and not be stressed about the credit card bill 
coming in the mail. Like, cause you've, it's really weird. It's like, oh, I've already like, it's already paid for. Like I, I have spending money. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I don't know if you've read this book, but I've loved, I want to plug a book that I think, uh, frankly, everybody should read. It's called Atomic Habits. Yes, I love so I, I, I figured, given what you were talking about, <laughs> the chances were pretty good that you'd read it. Um, so, so anyone listening, if they're, they're really interested in, in that point about habit formation, mm-hmm. Atomic Habits, obviously by the title, is, is, is a great read. And it does, it makes it really, really practical. How do you go about changing behavior, which is key? Well, I mean, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to give you uh, any you know, time to just close it out. Any shout outs you want to make, anything you want to plug, anything you want to recommend? Uh, just know that you can do it. And once you really believe in your abilities, you're going to be able to go so far in life with your finances. And really, it changes your perspective about everything. It really does kind of bleed into all other aspects of your life. And so I want to encourage you to read some self-development books or listen to some podcasts and things like that. And, you know, it, it is a process and to enjoy the journey. Like, you know, I know I do, I get so focused on the end goal that I don't just enjoy the process. And for this journey of changing your behavior and managing your finances, it's not going to be fun every day. Like I'm not saying that at all, but overall know that you are making your life better and you're making it better for your family and your children. And that is going to be what your legacy is because as they watch you improve your life and do things to better yourself, that rubs off on them. And then they can, you know, make the world a little bit better and a little bit better. And it's just, you know, we always want our kids to be a little bit better than us, right? <laughs> and so if they see you working on yourself, it rubs off on them as well. Wow. Oh, I, I can't, I couldn't have said it better myself. What a, what a great uh, way to put a punctuation on this. Um, how can someone get a hold of you and find you? Uh, Well, I have a podcast as well, the Money Mindset Podcast, and then everything else is Budgets Made Easy. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot, and uh, that's Budgets Made Easy. So as long as you can remember that, you'll find me. Awesome. Budgets Made Easy. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. Really appreciate it. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC.